0: Hello, hello, and welcome to Music Ally Focus with me, Music allies editor, Joe Sparrow. And in this episode, we're joined by Rebecca Berman, SVP of International at Concord Recorded Music, which is a large independent company in music publishing and acquisition with artists and repertoires licensed all around the world. We talked to Rebecca with her international perspective on how she and Concord views the potential in rapidly exploding markets like sub-Saharan Africa and Latin America. Now, each Music Ally Focus episode analyzes one meaningful music business story at a time, and so this podcast is going to be quick. It should take about the same amount of time as John Glassstone could put socks onto 250 people. John put socks on 10 people in one minute and nine seconds in 2013, because Why not? Now, talking of getting feet on the ground, Rebecca Berman's job involves building local teams to support Concord Label Group's repertoire around the globe. So she has an interesting view on the fast-growing high-potential markets like, as I said, sub-Saharan Africa and Latin America. I asked her what the wider consequences of these rapidly growing markets might be if the international music industry continues to engage with them and how it might change the wider music industry in terms of structure, strategy, and revenue. Let's go over to Rebecca now. Uh, hi, Rebecca. Hello. Uh, thank you for joining us. Uh, now, you're normally based in the US, but I've got the, uh, the time zones have aligned and I'm talking to you while you're in London, which is uh, extremely fortunate. Now, we're going to be talking about the fast-growing markets in the world outside of the traditional Western markets, Um, and the the potential within these markets and how you see it from the perspective of of your background and also, of course, at Concord. But let's start with some basics. Can you explain who you are, what your background is, what you do at Concord, and what Concord does? That's a lot. Uh,
1: So I am Rebecca Berman, like you said, uh, SVP of International at Concord Recorded Music. I've been with Concord for 15 years. Come up within uh, the company through many, many acquisitions and a ton of growth. Feel very lucky to be there. Um, My history is uh, I have been working in music since I was 18 years old, interning at Warner Brothers, Epitaph, Interscope, went on to uh, work at a little indie label called Drag City in Chicago. That's where I first started doing a lot of my international business, helped those artists uh, tour and release records ex-US, moved on to uh, an indie label in Boston, and then worked in my first truly international job at Warner Brothers Records. Uh, and then I was there for about three years and left Warners for Concord. So like I said, I've been at Concord for 15 years. Uh, my role at Concord originally was focused on marketing um, the artists signed to our labels, XUS. Uh, but in the last uh, four years, I've been tasked with growing a global marketing infrastructure, building teams around the world so that we can uh, establish artist fan bases and brands and help our artists grow XUS. Uh with the importance being having boots on the ground. So my focus over the last four years has really been establishing boots on the ground in the sort of already established market. So we now have a fully staffed team in the UK, label managers in Germany, France, Australia, Canada, Japan. Um, I know this podcast is gonna talk a lot about emerging markets and that's definitely a focus for us going forward because we see a lot of opportunity there
0: right and you know this is when we talk to people at Music Ally about okay how do you how do you engage with um what what we're calling emerging markets but of course in those markets they're completely established um (laughs) but when you want to engage with those markets let's say you want to take an artist and launch them over there or you want to work with uh, and trying to integrate with fan bases over there the first thing they always say is well you need to really work closely with people on the ground, right? So which yeah. tallies exactly with what you've just said. Um, so b- before we go on to talking about how you actually go about doing that, um, how do you and Concord view the potential of, there are some specifically exploding markets, sub-Saharan Africa, Latin America are showing these huge spikes in not just income and chart performance globally, but also infrastructure and the, uh, the industry itself growing rapidly there. So how, how do you view that potential? how are you going to engage with it?
1: So I think it's an interesting question. I think those are two very different markets for us. Part of that is because of the repertoire we represent. Obviously when you talk about these exploding markets, what explodes first is is local you know content, local music. Um, and because what we represent at Concord, much of it, um, at least on the frontline side, is in the alternative space, the rock space. Latin America is much more of, I would say, an immediate focus for us. We're seeing the benefits of what's happening in Latin America you know, rapidly and now. So we have hired a, a person covering our repertoire full-time in Mexico. Um, our eyes are very much set on Brazil and then expanding across Latin America because those that market for us, although developing, is feeling much more closer to established Then I would say sub-Saharan Africa, mostly because the repertoire we represent is not necessarily what's resonating with the fan base and the consumer base there. I think that will take much more work. And I also think because of some barriers to entry, like the cost of um, cellular data in sub-Saharan Africa, um, Spotify just entering the marketplace, uh, boom play and other, uh, you know, sort of DSPs that you have to engage yeah. with that aren't places that we're necessarily directly engaged with. I think there's going to be a lot more work to do. I think it'll be a longer road. I think the mm-hmm. most exciting part of what's happening in Africa is the music that's coming out of there that, it, you know, global superstars like yeah. Rema and Burnboy Boys and things that, you know, you cannot deny it's, you know, that is globally viable music that people absolutely love. Mm-hmm. So I think for the Sub-Saharan Africa conversation. It's more of an AR conversation. For Latin America, it's taking the repertoire that we already own and really being able to exploit it further.
0: Yeah. Okay. Well, let's focus on South America first then, because you say if anyone's ever seen a, a the comments below a rock video on YouTube, it's always come to Brazil. So, you are now coming to Brazil. Uh, that's good. I mean, you know, Concord obviously with this background of publishing and acquisition, you, you, you've got you've got this very set sort of focus at the moment in terms of that music and it fits with there. So what, you know, what what are you doing? Are, you know, you've got people, you've got someone covering Mexico, but how do you en- how do you engage there? I mean, obviously there is a there's an urgency, people want you to, to go there, but how do you actually do that and make it work?
1: Well, I think one thing is that uh, Mexico, Brazil, many parts of South America have already been viable touring markets for some time. So even if we weren't necessarily seeing the revenue on the consumption side, they were always markets that bands, you know, would go to tour in and, and be able to make money touring there. Yeah. So that's already been very helpful. We have established fan bases there. Um, I think Spotify and streaming has exploded in Latin America. And that for us is key, is finding ways to to go direct to the Spotify, to not just Spotify, I'm not making an ad for Spotify, but the DSPs, the DSPs. DSPs. and having direct relationships with the DSPs in Mexico, in Brazil um, and beyond So that we can localize and cater to their audiences, Um, I think, uh, you know, having like like we said, having boots on the ground and being able to send artists on promo trips, engage with the media, and then there's also short form video content. Um, You know, language is less and less of a barrier. You can close caption anything. You can do TikTok collaborations, whether it be fans with fans, artists with fans, artists with artists it can also really help localize to, to certain regions. And I think, you know, especially Spanish-speaking con- markets, that's very easy for us.
0: And um, how do you sort of, you know, obviously with this, you say the, the streaming infrastructure in South America is 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 really good now and, and is people are really um, jumping on board. And it's, it's, you know, as they have around the world, you know, it's something people want. How do you, you you've already got a foot in that market, so how do you classify success in terms of, you know, how did, what does success look like? is it is it just a is it just a, a, a significant increase in streams or is it something a bit more integrated and complicated than that?
1: Uh, I think it's a little more complicated because streaming can be fickle and ultimately you want it to be sticky. And so you want to know that you're not only seeing a, a, a boost in streams, but that it's going to stay level and or grow. So that the artist can increase their touring sort of revenue there, so that we know that that fan base is going to come back the next time we release new music. Um, so it really is a commitment to the marketplace, not necessarily, uh, you know, a quick fix of oh well, we have streaming growth, so we've succeeded. Um, I think if you really want to grow, if an artist is going to be successful, that fan base has to stick around. Um, and we're in a world where things come and go very quickly. So it it, it takes investment in artist development, and it takes commitment from the artist. Hmm.
0: Um, let's let's jump across to uh, Sub-Saharan Africa for for a moment. Then, as you say, a very different marketplace, different infrastructure at the moment, culturally very different. You know, the, the, these are this, that's a bigger jump, as you explained. But of course, that there are very significant. Uh, developments recently in the last few years, in particular around uh, infrastructure, streaming, st- starting to come on board with, with some players in particular. But a- as you said, you at the moment, it's really the success story is great African artists being em- emerging from uh, Sub-Saharan Africa, West Afro- Africa in particular, and then being channeled to the world and the world loving it. So obviously, there's a, f- from your perspective, perhaps. I guess there's an element of sort of waiting for infrastructure to develop a little bit more um, before you can sort of build the, the interactions that you're talking about with South America. But what about that sort of, that, that let's call it a cultural jump, where you've, you're taking music, which is popular around the world, and you're introducing it to a market where it is there is a huge love for music, passion for consumption, but it's, it's introduction then. I, is, is that something you have to plan a long way in advance? Uh,
1: Just to clarify, you're speaking of introducing sort of the repertoire that we we represent into the African market. Yeah. Um, Yes. So, I mean, I think it's a little bit hard to see because firstly, it's not those are not markets that a lot of our bands tour in. So Mm -hmm. there's not a history of really knowing which bands are resonating because we have not other than South Africa, have not had a lot of touring on the continent. Um, So... You know, it is, you know, we've had bands like Seether, who are South African. We've signed uh, an artist named Sampa the Great, who's from Zambia. Um, She has done incredibly well, maybe the most successful artist to come out of Zambia. Um, And so my experience is very much building her career on the continent We are lucky enough to be distributed by Universal, which is obviously a massive company with more infrastructure than we have at the moment. So we've been able to tap into the African offices that they've opened to make sure that we could localize, you know, every African country is also a very different market. So, you know, language wise, culture wise. So it, you know, it is, it's a, it's a massive place to try to break. I think with Sampa, we've done a very good job of making sure that the world knows she's from Zambia, but also increasing her success. Outside of Africa, Australia, the UK, yeah. she's had two music A-lists. Uh, yeah. She was, on, you know, she did a massive television appearance in the U.S. with Angelique Pichot. Um, so export, ex, the exporting is is something that we've done quite well. And with an African artist being able to make sure that the world understands where she is from and what her cultural history is. As far as taking the repertoire that we currently represent and building it in in Africa, I've yet to see, I think, especially because what we look to a lot of times is, are there streaming success? We look for data. There's not necessarily been a way, you know, it's it's such an emerging market Mm -hmm. that it's hard to necessarily identify what of our, let's say, US-based repertoire is really resonating there. I think, you know, boots on the ground help as well. I think we rely on Universal on some level. We're very new to trying to break our artists into Africa.
0: Yeah. You've got a lot of perspective on the different types of market that you can perhaps uh, move into but also how they all interact and then work on a global level um what are the wider consequences do you think i mean this could be a, a personal opinion uh maybe but or 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 with some, some something based on what concord is doing but like what is the wider consequences of a of a a market that is globalizing in this particular way so quickly you know with, like five years ago or maybe a little bit more there were really no huge African, West African superstars in world music, and now there's loads, right? And, uh, so that's a that's a very unusually fast change, and, and testimony to the power of the internet, of course, and social media, but uh, and the streaming platforms. So, w- what are the wider consequences? What does a future music industry look like where this this it works in that way?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that that that. Inevitably, there is going to be a massive investment in infrastructure in sub-Saharan Africa. I mean, you know, I imagine that we will have somebody in Nigeria at some point, you know, in the next decade. I I also think that you're going to see companies, whether it be Concord, who, as you know, is hugely acquisitional. But all of the companies around right now that are hugely acquisitional looking to African labels you know, African DSPs, African companies that potentially can be purchased. And I, you know, certainly can say that Concord on the A&R side is is looking, you know, very deeply into into that. I mean, when you have Afrobeat, it's just one type of music in Africa that is resonating everywhere. But, you know, I I imagine that we've got A&R staff all over the world, like looking into Africa to see what's gonna be the next sort of movement. What's, you know, what label is representing, what's resonating in certain markets in Africa that we can then
0: exploit globally. I mean, you work with artists in your catalogue to develop them and grow them in certain places all over the world. Um, how can you foresee, for instance, future campaigns running? I, it's, it's, I'm thinking strategically, like you have an artist you're working with, maybe maybe with a, a frontline catalogue or even a further back catalogue. Yeah. How, how would you foresee it? When you go global, that's huge, right? It's, it's very, very different. You've got, as you say, culturally different markets, um, you've got infrastructure ch- differences. How do you foresee that panning out as a sort of strategic approach in the future?
1: Um, I, th- I think, the you know, similar to how you would have to do it in any market that is outside of your home market, you have to find ways to localize the content so that the the local consumer can relate to it. I think short form video content is sort of how the youth are engaging in music entirely right now. And I think it offers up opportunities that, you know, are just expansive for us. So influencers, for instance, Mm -hmm. you can find influencers in any country in Africa. You can look at who actually has, you know, a viewership and engage them. Um, And that really that can make a huge difference. And like I said, it's always a test to see if what you're pushing is sticky or not. But if, you know, if we have an artist that we believe has an upside and we can find influencers that, you know, and sometimes it's paid, sometimes it's organic and, you know, somebody gravitates to what you're doing. Uh, But that's a huge way in to markets when you don't have an artist that lives there or is going there to do promotion. It's, it's sort of replaced media in a way and made it, it, you know, it's, it's hard to control, but at least there's a, a path in that I think is really exciting.
0: Is there anything you've learned in terms of that that big that big picture approach? Of you, you in the, in the past, you've you've perhaps focused on, I, I don't, I'm guessing here, but maybe maybe on sort of more traditional Western markets, but then expanding and looking to these new places. Is there any sort of main learnings you've you've taken from this quite sort of different uh, focus?
1: I mean, I can tell you from catalog acquisitions, we have purchased two uh, Latin American catalogs, Muse Art and Fanya. And when you actually engage in lo- local language, local music, it really can brand the company and put us on a map that makes us respected and trusted and, and also allows for an easier entry way into the, at least the industry side of things um, opens up doors for us. Um, so I do think, like I said, acquiring music, local music is an, a good way to start establishing infrastructure there. Um, so that we can then grow to sort of support our frontline business and our non-local business. Yeah.
0: In 10 years' time, those markets are changing at different rates, of course. But it's clear that whether it's on a cultural sense, in, in music from here being popular over here, or whether it's on a marketing sense of, you can be an artist now in, let's say, the UK, and you're having no success at home, but you can be blowing up in Colombia, right? Like this, is, this is not normal now but it's really close to being normal it, um, it
1: definitely is yeah. yeah
0: um what where's that gonna go it, and what how will that how will that kind of those patterns of behavior change how the industry works at, at both a sort of your level but also for artists
1: well, I think for artists, there may be opportunities in places that you never imagined. You know, you know, success, especially for independent artists or artists. I mean, or or developing artists that we work with, we may find success for them in markets that are not as crowded and hard to break as the UK. You know, you, you exactly what you said. We could find that an artist of ours really resonates in Central America.
0: What do they say when, when you tell them that? You say, "Hey, look, listen, we looked at the data." I know you want to go and tour the toilet <laughs> venues in the UK for a month and come back with no money and you know terrible hangovers. Lose
1: a ton of money is probably lose what a ton would of money.
0: But you, how about how do you fancy going to Colombia for a week or two weeks? Well, I mean,
1: I think an artist wants to see success, and I think if an artist knows that there's a fan base that actually wants them there, you know, an artist who's really invested in their own career would want to engage. Yeah. Um, so, and I think that's very exciting. I think the fact that, you know, we can now see where the streams are coming from, where the early adopters are coming from, you know, means we know where we can invest our funds and hopefully the artists can invest their time. Um, and I think that's really exciting.
0: Yeah. And and how will then it perhaps affect your decision-making and the kind of work you do at the sort of the, that higher level of looking, looking at the catalogs and...
1: Yeah, I mean, like I said, I think if we find and we are finding like in Mexico and Brazil, and I expect it to be many other markets in Latin America. When we find that we've found markets that are not just one or two of our artists are, are, are successful in, but many more. That's when we focus more on further infrastructure, further investment. Um, maybe touring becomes more viable than it has been in the past. Um and that's, you know, and then obviously in a world of streaming, you can have something break out of the Philippines. You can have something break out of Colombia and then become global. So by focusing on those markets, you may not be saying that's where our entire focus will be for the, you know, for the campaign. You're saying maybe if we get big enough in Colombia, we extend through Latin America, which can instead extend up into North America and have a global artist. So it's also about where you start, yeah. um, which, is, which is great. I mean, that's what we've discovered in this kind of new era of, streaming and the short form video content and influencers is that you can find a starting place and you can grow from there. And I think it's great that we can find those starting places in Latin America, in Africa, instead of always looking to those bigger European markets that are so crowded. And
0: so to sum it up then, do you feel it's, I mean, it's obviously things are more complicated in that sense, but is that more exciting from your perspective?
1: Much more exciting. And for my purpose as having worked in international for, you know, 20 years now, There are certain markets that are obvious markets that have always been a focus that I know very, very well. My job is now to really dig in and get to know these developing markets, market by market, the cultural nuances, the musical taste, the how we engage. My job is changing so that I can help my artists.
0: I will obviously link to... uh... To Concord beneath the podcast and people can check it out but before we, we wrap it up here I've got one final question which is what is your favourite piece of music if you could only listen to one for the rest of your life it can be a-
1: oh my goodness this is the hardest question you've asked all day I
0: know that's why we, <laughs> leave, we leave it to the end <laughs> uh, it, I'm, I'm willing to sort of move towards an album if you can't narrow it down to one song uh,
1: an album all time Leawood Mac Rumors right okay but uh, I would say The New Boy Genius is probably what's uh, what I'm listening to most these really? days. Really?
0: Yeah, I've, I've heard a bit of that, and it is really good. So, yes, they're go. all
1: very, very talented women that I think have made a beautiful record.
0: Great. Okay. Two good recommendations there, which I will put uh, beneath the podcast. <laughs> uh, so, Rebecca Bowman, thank you very much.
1: Thank you very much.
0: All right, that's it. Thank you very much again to Rebecca for joining us on The Focus Podcast. And if you found it useful please do share it on with someone who you think will also get something out of it. And if you'd like to get in touch with me, I'd love to hear from you. It's uh, joe at musically.com. That's joe at musically.com. We also have a free weekly email called The Knowledge, which rounds up bits and pieces of Music Ally's best analysis, news, marketing insight, and goodies from the archive. So sign up and impress your boss. The link to it is in the description. That's it. Uh, Thank you for joining us here on Musical.ly Focus. I've been Joe Sparrow, you've been you, and until next time, farewell.